Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Well, you know, uh, not too bad. Uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting weekend, football-wise. Uh, I did. Uh, I was right on everything but one game for, for my bracket. Uh, lost the Chargers disappointed me. I th- the Chargers disappointed themselves. I think they really did. And can I just point out? I know we'll talk about it a little bit, but Kirk Cousins is exactly who we thought he was. <laughs> like I just want to point that out. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna great be talking st- about that. Okay, good. Yeah. Great statistical quarterback, but don't trust him in meaningful games. Like you just can't you just can't do it. Meaningful games, meaningful moments, you just can't do it. The Giants won as we thought they would so yeah Kirk Cousins was pretty <laughs> Kirk Cousins and the defense were the solar were exactly why I picked the Giants to take them because if they had probably played anyone else I probably would have had the Giants losing but just what's your what's your take on Daniel Jones just in like just in general this year and, and kind of what he's able to do you know now that he's running the way that like like if he ran as much as he did in that playoff game all season he probably could have been a pretty strong fantasy quarterback so I don't know why they weren't really breaking that out earlier in the year they probably could have finished with a better record I think he I think he gets a reputation because of some bonehead and bad luck plays that have happened when he runs the ball with the ball where he like trips and falls for no reason I think he gets a But it's happened more than once. Like, I've watched a few Giants games over the years where Daniel Jones running just looks like parts of his body are moving at different speeds. Like, he just can't 100% control it. And I think he gets a really bad reputation of being a bad runner for because of, like, one or two really terrible moments every couple of seasons. But overall, he clearly can, can run. Like, he can be a dual-threat quarterback. So it, it's just... Yeah, it is interesting that that when when he's on par, like when he's on point, when he's doing well, he he really excels, and then his mistakes just end up being being very big. So it is just interesting. Yeah, and he, he did have a lot of struggles with turnovers over the years. So it seems like he's rectified that for the most part this season. He hasn't been as turnover happy, but I know that was a a large knock against him over the past few years was that you just couldn't trust him to keep the ball with your team. Yeah. And those young receivers you mentioned last week that kind of have become his go-to, I think help as well. Like the fact that he's got a bit of a, I think a young core around him, like Saquon Barkley, we know is great, but I think he's starting to finally establish like receivers he can trust. And that's like another big part of the offense that's important. So it's probably, yeah, a mix of, of all those things. Yeah. And speaking of their young receivers, they did great in that game. Oh yeah, definitely. Like they, I mean, overall the Giants, I think, played a great game. Like they did everything oh, yeah. they, they needed to, to to win. Um, the Vikings statistically were having a pretty good game, but they just they couldn't get it together. Like their defense couldn't stop the Giants when they needed to, and their offense couldn't get those big drives together when needed. I mean, the game was close, but I think you know the Giants pulled away. Um, it was interesting. I brought up spreads to you last week. 
And the one game that I thought was so ridiculous was the Buffalo Miami one, where the spread was like 13 and a half points, but Buffalo yeah. won by three. And Buffalo <laughs> almost lost. Yeah, they almost lost that game. So anyone who bet on Buffalo actually would have lost, even though Buffalo won the game, because Miami covered that spread. Yeah, that was a. Uh, like, I don't remember when exactly Miami started scoring. I don't know if it was the second quarter or what it was, but the first opening couple of drives, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be just as bad as the spread was <laughs> suggesting, right? Like, it was just all Buffalo. And then something happened, and all of a sudden, Miami made it a good game, a very competitive yeah. game. Yeah, no, they did. And that's that's the thing that I fear about Buffalo coming into this week is I just don't think they have that consistency enough, either on offense or defense, because this is not the first time this season where they've won a game barely. And by the way they were playing, they probably shouldn't have won. So that's what has always given me the, like, I, like the Cincinnati Buffalo matchup was one I had picked to happen. And I still think Cincinnati has the the advantage just because Joe Burrow's been there before. And that experience is an intangible thing that athletes always talk about where they win, get to certain points, understand the adversity of it, and they they just have it ingrained. And it, it, it affects them mentally. And it affects their muscles. It affects everything. So I just think that Buffalo's in some trouble and they got to get their act together because that they almost lost that game to Skylar Thompson. Yep, you're not wrong. It, it, now, to be fair, though, the Bengals also, thanks to a crazy goal line fumble for a touchdown, they almost lost to the Ravens. And that, uh, yeah, and I mean the Ravens. The Ravens played quite much better than I thought they were going to, especially with Huntley and a quarterback. Yeah, and I don't. It just seemed like the the Bengals' offense wasn't really clicking on all cylinders. No. You know, like they moved the ball okay, but trying to get down into the red zone and and actually getting some points on the board, they they struggled. So I'm kind of interested yeah. to see what's going to happen because that's two like pretty all-star teams that struggled against inferior opponents. So I'm wondering, you know, was it just they were kind of playing down to their competition or was it just, you know, a little bit of jitters going in the playoffs? What was going on there? Because, yeah, this week they both need to be on the ball. Yeah, this is, this is actually an interesting um, – week in terms of the spreads because there's not a lot of confidence that the that Vegas and the betting world has on a lot of teams um, but that game is close like the bills are favored by five so you know will will the game be settled by a touchdown that's likely like I, I, I could see that happening I could see this being like a 31 24 kind of game I'm wondering if we could see maybe the first uh first go at overtime with the playoffs and both teams getting the ball. I um there's a couple games that I think actually could be close and could have potential of of an overtime. Like it might it might not happen, but I I could see that happening actually with more than more than one matchup. There there's a few this week that I think are closer than 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 people may think they are. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll get into the uh the news from this past weekend. So, like uh, like you already mentioned, you got the Chargers game wrong. So did I. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to say that the, Jag- the Jaguars 
beat them. I think the Chargers beat themselves. Because if you have a 24 nothing lead and then all you can do is score two field goals after that for <laughs> what was a half and like a few minutes. And a few minutes, yeah. Yeah. Like what? Why were you not running Austin Eckler down their throat? Why were you doing all these weird plays that left so much time on the clock? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was weird. It was another one of those very odd sort of coaching decisions that leaves you kind of scratching your head. I'm also wondering a little bit about, um, so Trevor Lawrence threw, what, four interceptions in the first half? Yeah. Yeah. And you lost to that. And then you lost, yeah, because he four four touchdowns in the second half. Like, the yeah. thing is, is that I, I agree with you that the Chargers beat themselves. However, I am going to throw a little bit of a nugget in there saying, but Trevor Lawrence had a second half where he snapped out of whatever the heck was going on. Like, Oh, he, he, he absolutely just decided did. I'm taking over this game. And that's elite quarterback status. Like the, to me, my opinion on Trevor Lawrence is changing because that's what elite quarterbacks do. The, how many times did, have you seen in your history of watching football, Peyton Manning do that or Tom Brady? Yep. Just take, oh, I'm just taking this game over. Mahomes does it. And it's just, you can't, how, like, how, what are you going to do? He scored four touchdowns. But again, you let him do that. The defense, you know, didn't, wasn't able to stop. Exactly. Him. See, see, that's, that's where my issue is. Like, yes, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars 100% turned it around in the second half and played great football. But you have one of the best running backs in the league. And you're telling me that you couldn't kill more time off the clock to slow that down? Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't yeah. string. You couldn't string together a couple of multi-minute drives with Austin mm-hmm. Eckler. Like bleed the game clock. You're not. Yeah. You don't need to rush. You're winning. What was it? Twenty-seven-seven at the start of the second half. Twenty-seven to seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a twenty-point lead. All you need to do is just k- kill the clock and and then make sure you convert on third down. So if you got to throw it, go for it. Get with it, and then at that point, if you're only getting into field goal range, well, you just killed nine minutes off the clock and increased your lead by three. You know what I mean? You do that three or four times and the game's over. They can't come back even no matter how well they're playing if you keep them off the field. So I just completely don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've, they've fired their offensive coordinator. So, you know, maybe I'm not alone in that. And uh, <laughs> maybe there it, was it, some uh, other people questioning uh, the logic. Yeah. The well, I'm glad at least someone in that, organization was questioning it too and they got rid of them yeah Um, because yeah you you can't do that that's like nfl offense 101 you want to kill the clock protect your lead you run the ball yeah um and then another just mind-boggling uh I, i don't even know what to call it play situational football any idea of what's going on the field by Kirk cousins when you're fourth and eight and you need to score to win and you're throwing it three yards down the field to a guy who is very well covered in man coverage. I don't know if you saw that final play or not, but Oh yeah. Kirk, Cus- no, I yeah, saw it. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk cousins throws the ball three yards down the field to TJ Hawkinson when they needed eight yards to convert and they had less than a minute left to play. So basically everything in regards to situational football says don't throw that ball. Right. Like unless unless he was wide open, 
and no one was near him and he could catch the ball and run upfield and out of bounds past the first down marker. Yeah. Because even if he caught the ball in the field, got the first down, you're draining time off the clock that you can't really, you don't really have to spare. So that should not have been a, that should not have been a pass. And I get it. The, the giants played defense well on that play, but if, if you're going to throw it to someone who's covered anyways, throw it to the guy who's at least past the first down marker, you know, like, well, yeah, at least get, make that attempt because you need like it, it is the oldest thing you need. You need eight yards. Why are you throwing three? Like yeah. it happens way too often where you just, you need eight yards. Every, why is anyone running a route at all? That's not at least eight yards. Like that's the other. Yeah. That should be the minimum. Yeah, the minimum, or or seven yards, and you trust that they can get one or whatever, but not three. <laughs> like you're not like, what are you doing? Like it just, yeah, I, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. It's it's one of those bonehead decisions that he makes, and I, I yeah. do blame the quarterback on this. Like I, I oh, think absolutely, you, you've got to be smarter than that when you're out there. Absolutely, yeah, that's entirely on him. Now maybe Hawkinson ran the wrong route or anything. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins threw it directly to him. him. He didn't have to throw it to him. (laughs) No, he didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. He looked at him and went like, oh, there he is. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. Now, I mean, to be fair, Hawkinson was having a great game. So, I don't know if he just thought, oh, maybe he can break that tackle and then get upfield. But, yeah, yeah, that was just terrible decision making. I was yelling at my TV. I had no personal interest in that game. Like, no investment. I'm not a fan of either team. Aside from wanting the Giants to win because I picked them to win it didn't really matter to me who won and I'm yelling at my TV. Like, why are you throwing that pass? Because I knew as soon as he threw it, their season was done. Yeah. And yeah. a few short seconds later, I was proven correct. Yeah. Oh, Kirk cousins. Well, we're done yeah. with him for what, this year at least. Yeah. At yeah. least for this year until next year. And then we see what, what else he has for us. <laughs> yep. Um, Deandre Hopkins, uh, his, his time in Arizona might be done. Hmm. You can kind of yeah. see this coming, I think. There's a lot of things going on there. And I, I think if I was Hopkins, I'd probably want to bail because you're an elite talent and you want to you want to get a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, that's why he went to Arizona was to try to get the Super Bowl because he was with the Texans before that. And that clearly wasn't happening. Yeah. And now it's clearly not happening with the Cardinals either. So I uh, I fully understand him wanting to bail and not be part of that rebuilding process. So. I'll be interested to see what they do with him, though. If they trade him, what what their plan is. I guess their new GM, that's one of the first things that they're going to be looking at is uh, what to do with him. Yeah, I mean, at that, at like you're saying, at that age and at his level, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Like, you can, you've got to, he's got to go. Um, now, if they're able to trade him, they should be able to get something good back. Like, they oh, should yeah. be able to get a good package for him. So that's, it is a like, as much as it, I'm sure it's not great to be in the position they're in. One of the good things about doing a rebuild and having someone in that position is here's a guy who actually is okay that we move them. Like we're yeah. not destroying a relationship. We're doing a player a favor and we're going to find a good fit for him, but we're going to get a good package back. It's like a pretty, like it's a good, it, it's, it's how the bills Frank, frankly ended up with, with digs. I mean, yep. a bit of a different situation, but again, they, they ended up with him because, you know, he wanted out of Minnesota. Minnesota wanted to move him. They felt like they had someone else. Great. So they, you know, the Bills gave up quite a few draft picks for him. 
Yep, I could see something similar happening with him. So that'll be something that's uh, worth keeping an eye on throughout the offseason. Yeah. yeah. Um, where do you think Sean Payton is going to end up? You know, it's a good question. I don't have in front of me a list of who needs a head coach. Um, I mean, if... Okay, so what situation is he looking for? That That would be my first question, because... Is he the type of coach you want in a rebuild situation? Like, I would imagine a contender who needs a coach might want him. But what does he want? Like, what's he looking for would be kind of my question. Yeah, see, I don't... I imagine if he's willing to come out of retirement, he probably wants... A chance at um, another championship. Yeah, I'd say he probably doesn't want to. But that being said, he was the one who turned New Orleans around and made them the team that they were over the past what decade decade and a half yeah, that was all Sean I mean, Payton so now I'm not saying that that's what he's willing to come back and do again but if he does I mean he's done it before I mean okay I don't I don't think they fired their coach because I think he's new but if if the Bears were getting rid of their coach that would be a perfect situation for him because They've already got the quarterback, which you need. They have the first overall pick, and they're going to probably trade that pick for assets to make them a contender right away, or at least a playoff contender at least. So that's like a situation, but I think their coach is relatively new, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, okay. So that's obviously not going to happen. Um, um, you know what, what would be a great position for him, but I don't think he'd go, and I don't think you want him necessarily there. Is What about Denver? <laughs> That I I think is probably the most likely spot where he's going. But but like, why would he want to go? Why would he want to go to Denver? Like, does he really think like can Russell Wilson really turn this around? Like, really? This I was don't a, know. this was an atrocious year for him. I mean, it it could just be who's willing to pay him the most money. If maybe he just cares about getting the money and then saying see you later, you know. And the Broncos, I think, have one of the highest amount of money to give. So it could very well be just he wants a, a bag of money and he doesn't really care. Well, then, you know, I'm sure the Broncos uh, would pay. I'm sure they would. Like, I, I don't think that would end up being an issue. Um, I just, uh, that to me, that's the opposite situation of what we just described. Like, I yeah. don't think a coach is going to change that situation. I just think Russell Wilson, without the weapons he had in Seattle isn't able to do much. Now, maybe he can turn around. Maybe they can bring in some weapons into Denver. But I just, this year, he didn't look like anything that, that he used to be. He didn't look even close. All right, well, here, Mike, here, the, here's the five teams that need a head coach. Okay. Houston Texans, Arizona yeah. Cardinals, Indianapolis Colts, Denver Broncos, and the Carolina Panthers. Well, the Panthers are interesting because they did get They've already got some more assets from the McCafferty trade. So you might have more to work with there. Like the Colts fascinates me just because they do have talent there. Like, what are you going to do with Jonathan Taylor? Like, I know he had a terrible season, but the team around him was terrible. So the Colts would be an ideal situation. Like, I would think you'd look at them and be like, okay, they've got some some pretty solid talent here, and I, I can kind of build off of that um every other team to me looks like they're going the opposite direction 
frankly. I don't know. I, I could see them. I, I could see the Broncos. If Russell Wilson could turn things around and kind of play the way we saw him in the last few games of the season. If he played like that all season, I think it'd be a very different narrative. So I could see the Broncos potentially being in a good enough spot for him. The Panthers are pretty interesting. If they can convert what they got from Christian McCaffrey, then they could be set up good. The Colts, honestly, I think all they need is just a a good quarterback. So now Sean Payton spent most of his career with Drew Brees and then he left. So (laughs) I don't know if he's used to having not to like a franchise quarterback, you know, so I don't know if that would be a situation that he wants to go into or not. I just don't Um, think, I just can't see him working with a young quarterback, like a rookie, second year quarterback, whatever, and trying to develop them over the next couple of years. Like I, I I know that Bill Belichick is kind of doing it, but I, I don't know. I don't see that lasting very long either personally, but that's a whole different other discussion. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Like either, like frankly, I know we're not, we're going to get into more stuff like throughout the off season, but frankly, either Belichick is going to like lose his mind and just go trade for a quarterback or he's going to leave because I just can't see him going through this again and again and again, because I just don't, I don't see it yet. And Mac Jones could turn it around. Anybody could turn it around, but I don't personally see where the Patriots think they're going. Not yet. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it's very frustrating because they have a good running back. They have an elite defense. So really all they're missing is just that, that passing game, you know? Yes. Yeah. A quarterback, some decent receivers. Yeah. Well, even a good quarterback can boost up less than good receivers. Right. Of course. Um, and then Tom Brady did it for years. Tom Brady did it for years. Yep. So uh, yeah, I don't know, but it also helps develop, uh, still young quarterback if he has an elite option to throw to. So it, it could go either way for them. I think if they're going to keep Mac Jones, they need to bring in some sort of an elite wide receiver and just give him someone that he can kind of lean on. And when when push comes to shove and they need a completion, go to him. Um, kind of like Matthew Stafford and Kelvin Johnson back in the day mm. in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. That that one trusted third down, like the, I think they, that's what they call them, third down receiver. The one here, like, I'm going to trust you when I really need you. Yeah. You know, tight ends often play that role. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I would probably lean Denver just for the money side of things. But I would say it's between Denver, Indy, and Carolina. Yeah. I'm going to, okay. If you're going to lean towards Denver, I'm going to pick the Panthers. Okay. I'm going to say that the Panthers, because they did acquire a lot of different assets. I think that there's, I think there's some hope there that they've got other pieces and they've got some really flashy, interesting young receivers. Um, so I think that there's, you know, there's something there. He got something to work with. Yep. Um, one other piece of news there is uh, Cliff Kingsbury just buying a one way ticket to Thailand and saying peace out. Well, um, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, first I think, of all, I, I don't know genius. how many times I've ever seen this. Um, but I, 
Okay. Arizona was a disaster. I think we can all agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're rebuilding. They have to rebuild. I think we can all agree there. I still think they have pieces, though, that are appealing to a coach. But would you still consider that if they traded Hopkins away? Yes, because I still think Kyler Murray, though inconsistent, has some great flash and dash to him as a quarterback. He's got something there. They still have other receivers. I know Hopkins is their big piece. I I have I still like James Conner as a running back. Um, so I, I think they've got they still have pieces there that at least make them a a not a bottom team, but somewhat they could be somewhat of a of a playoff contender and play meaningful games late. The problem is is they're probably not good enough to be a playoff team, but they're not necessarily bad enough to be dead last and get the first overall pick. They, I mean, they're, they're close, but they, there weren't. So winning six games, like if I was coaching a team and was a general manager of the team, I'd rather win one game or like nine plus and be a playoff team. I don't want to win four, five or six games in a season because then what, like, where are you? You might be picking what seventh, eighth, ninth. You might get a good player. You might not. Like who knows? So that's probably more their problem. But I still think it's a little odd to just like go, like just okay. I'm done. I'm out of here. Well, they fired him, right? So yeah, but still, I still I I think it's genius because now he gets all of their money. If he went and took Mm. another job somewhere, they would have to compensate him. Yeah, he he made the you right. know, he made the choice to leave. But yes, they fired him and that's yeah. the official thing there. So now he's basically saying, I'm not going to coach in college. I'm not gonna go be someone else's offensive coordinator. I'm gonna go sit on a beach and you're gonna pay me all the money you owe me. Yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> somewhere down the line he'll probably come back and maybe go coach college or, or maybe he'll come back to the NFL. Who knows? But yeah, I think in a while. I think for him, genius. There's Just peace um, out. There's a hockey team right now, like there's an NHL hockey team that is currently paying four different head coaches still from various See? contracts and firing. And they're just paying four completely different people several million dollars. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> sounds like a great uh, way to run a business, eh? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into uh, divisional round matchups here. So we've got the Jaguars, Chiefs, Eagles, Giants, Bengals, Bills, and the Cowboys, 49ers. What I tell you about them Cowboys? Yeah, Tom Brady didn't pull it off. He uh he looked, I'm telling you man, he looks old. He looks he looks his age. He looks like a skeleton. I think That whole game it. for the first I think 6 5 6 drives, that was the most boring game ever to watch. especially considering the two teams that were in it because everyone was just going three and out three and out three and out like i was like what is going on here and then dallas figured it out the buccaneers didn't and the rest is history there you go um well let's talk about jacksonville and kansas city so for x factors in that game i've got trevor lawrence for the jaguars yeah because if he starts the this week the way he did last week the Jaguars are done. They're going to get oh, absolutely the steamrolled. They're not giving up that type of a lead. No, because the problem is 
they will score as many points as the Chargers did, and no. then they will keep scoring. Yeah, because they're they're they've got Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's no he he's one of those players that you just can kind of count on at this point. And yeah, Trevor, which which Trevor Lawrence are we going to see in this game? Like, I think your pick makes so much sense. He's the X factor. If he's one type of Trevor Lawrence, this is going to be one heck of a game. And if he's the other one, the one that started, then he, uh, you know, it's going to be over quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. And then for the Chiefs, I've actually got their defense as the X factor for pretty much yeah. the exact same reason. Totally. Because they've been terrible against the passing game throughout most of the year. Like Russell Wilson even had two great games against them. And he was terrible this year. So if if they have a strong game on the defensive side and they can keep Trevor Lawrence in check, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs offense will get it done and they'll have nothing to worry about. But if they're struggling and they're letting Trevor Lawrence complete all these passes, then it could be a very exciting game, but it's going to make it a lot harder for the Chiefs because as good as as good as Patrick Mahomes is, they don't really the the problem I I find with them is they they almost score too much. You know, they don't bleed time off the clock because they just go down the field and score because he, their offense is so good. So that that works if you're consistently scoring touchdowns, but if you get down there and end up kicking a field goal and you only burn a minute off the clock, it's going to be the same thing that the Chargers had. You know, now we're giving Trevor Lawrence and their offense a bunch of time, and if the Chiefs' defense is not playing well, that's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, I would trust that that the coaching in Kansas City is that much better, that at some point in time, they'll realize if they are ahead, they will f- rely on their running game. Now, they might use multiple people. They might try to do a couple different things, but I feel like they will run the ball when they need to. Because I just, I think the coaching staff's a little bit more seasoned, obviously, uh, than the Chargers. But again, it's, it's that factor. They've been here before. Kansas City has won a Super Bowl. They've been to to the Super Bowl. They've won multiple playoff rounds. I think they are a team where you can trust that if 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 they can keep Trevor Lawrence from rattling off four touchdowns in two quarters, then then they can they can control the game. But if if Trevor Lawrence can break through and if that defense cannot stop him, this is going to be a close game. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to see how this one goes. Yeah. I'm also excited to see how this next one goes with the Eagles and the Giants. Um, for X Fact, in- <laughs> <laughs> this one, <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> I've got uh, for X Factors for this one. I've got for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, because if he's fully back, full health, ready to roll, he's performing the way he did for every game he played in the regular season. They they should be fine because that offense is just unstoppable. But when he's not really playing fully up to par, their offense takes a giant step back. Like we saw that with Gardner Minshew. Um, And the Giants defense has been playing great. They're doing everything they can because they know they're basically playing with free money at this point. You know, like no one expects them to have made it this far. No one expects them to get past this point. So they're just, they're going all out. They don't care. They've got nothing to lose. Like, I think this, not that his career will be over after this, but this is the coming out party for, for Jalen Hurts. He either, he can establish himself as this elite quarterback, cap off what's been an amazing season just by controlling this game. 
And just by shutting that defense down and getting touchdowns and like making it work, I just think that he's he's going to be in a real tough spot. And the the X factor of this defense not really needing to care as much. The Eagles are expected to win. They're expected to be a Super Bowl contender. This could be this would be seen by many as a massive upset. Even oh, absolutely. though the Giants, I think, are playing so well that I could see this being a close game too. It could be. I'm I'm very interested to see because the Giants blitz a lot. Wink Martindale loves to blitz his defenders. And the Eagles love to run those option plays. So I think if Hertz is back to what we saw throughout the regular season, I think if they're going to keep blitzing him, he's going to burn them really badly, either with QB runs or run pass options. And it could be a terrible game for the Giants defense. But if he is still limited a little bit and he doesn't have that full dynamic ability, and he's stuck in the pocket, they could mm-hmm. really do some damage with the blitzes. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm itch, I, that's that's why for me he's the X Factor is because it depends on which Jalen Hurts we're going to see. If it's the one that we saw most of the season or the one that we saw actually the last time these two teams played uh, when he barely did anything and he was going up against Giants backups. So yeah. for me, Hurts is the Eagles X Factor and then Saquon Barkley is the X Factor for the Giants. Uh, because if he can get a solid ground game going and he can, you know, just keep killing the clock, keep rushing down the field, he's going to keep Hurts and the Eagles offense off the field. The Eagles defense is weak against the run. That takes the pressure off Daniel Jones because he doesn't have to contend with their pretty elite secondary. And they're burning the clock. So as long if they keep grinding down the field, they kill seven, eight, nine minutes, get a touchdown. Even if the Eagles come back score, if they do that again, and again and again, the Eagles have to be perfect every time they're on the field, or else they're not going to catch up. Yeah, no, no. So, I think I think you're making like a great point there. Like I really do. Like I think that the the spread for this is a is a a bit like people are clearly thinking that Philadelphia is a heavy favorite. I think it could be a heck of a lot closer. And I think you're making my point for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not saying. Now, <laughs> yeah, I I mean I. I personally expect that Philly will win this game because of how good they were all season, but mm-hmm. I can still absolutely see a path where the Giants pull off the upset, and oh, I think it revolves sure. around Saquon Barkley. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. I think that he's he is in my he's ready to go here. Like he's he's had his season, he's had his lumps and injuries. I I think this is it for him. Like I think this is his time to really take it over. And if he does it, whew, this is going to be this is going to be another real close one or like you're saying it could be a complete blowout <laughs> yep. like completely <laughs> yep it could go either way and i'm very excited to see where it goes mm-hmm. um for the Bengals bills game honestly for the x factor i've got joe burrow and i've got josh allen just which one of them is going to step up and play the best football especially with how they both struggled at times last week like the team exactly. in general did but yeah i think oh, it comes down to these two this yep. is it. Great who is who is going to move the ball more for their team? Who is going to have the better game? Who's going to turn the ball over less? You know, that's what it's going to come down to because both of them have good, not great defenses. They're actually pretty on par in terms of defense. They both have a lot of weapons in the passing game. They both have dependable options in the backfield, and they both have an elite quarterback. So at the end of the day, it's just going to be which guy leading your team is going to 
outduel the other. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I I went with Buffalo. But you you uh, in our I guess beginning of the playoff picks, I had projected that these two teams would meet and that Buffalo would take over. Are you still feeling that way? Like you know, I don't know our picks this week. Like, do you still feel that way, or I? I really don't know. I I I think I still do lean Buffalo because they are playing in Buffalo. Um, and the weather there is always a factor, which benefits them. Uh, I actually don't know what the projected weather is for them for this weekend right now. Um, but I, I think I do still lean, lean Buffalo. I don't, I still don't think that they have it in them to get all the way to the Super Bowl or, and win it, but I think that they could, they should make it to the semi-conference or semi-finals. Makes sense. Um, and then for the last game, we've got the Cowboys and 49ers. So again, this is a case of I've got both of the quarterbacks as the X factor for each team. Yeah, I mean, it's the playoffs, so it makes sense that the quarterbacks are going to be mentioned here. Um, <laughs> and I think these are, the, again, this is, these are uh, good choices, but for a bit of a different reason, I think, than, than the Cincinnati Buffalo. Yeah, for Brock Purdy, this is going to be pretty much one of his first real tests against uh, like against a strong defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the Cowboys defense is very, very good. And if you're making mistakes, they will make you pay. Uh, he's still a rookie. He's kind of still trying to sort out everything. He's played great. I mean, he's the first rookie. He's the first uh, rookie quarterback to have four touchdowns in the playoffs uh, in a single game ever. So he he can certainly get it done. But it if he starts playing like a rookie and kind of making those mistakes, then that could get ugly very quickly. I'm like I'm just looking at the games that he's played. Like maybe Arizona, uh, maybe Washington was the best defense that he faced up to this point. And I think the Cowboys are a much stronger defense ahead of that. So if he can come out and keep doing what he's been doing, I think they have a great shot at winning this game. If uh, the 49ers defense can rattle him, then they have a great shot to basically just grind out the the game and win maybe by a score, maybe by a field goal. Yeah, I think it makes sense. And on the opposite side of things, if if we see Dak Prescott come out and start as slowly as he did against the Buccaneers, <laughs> oh yeah, that's going to be a problem because the 49ers defense is very good. They can be beaten through the air, but if they are that slow, I I think that the the 49ers can put points on the board a lot faster than the Buccaneers ever did. So they could find themselves in a hole pretty early trying to play catch up and then that is where we've seen Dak Prescott not really be at his best. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're not going to be able to rely so much on uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in the ground game because of how strong that 49ers run defense is. So it is all really going to be on Dak Prescott's shoulders. So he needs to hit the ground running. Yeah, I mean, this this is kind of actually my pick for the game that it could be the most likely blowout because I just think... Uh, to me, San Francisco has been such a machine recently. Like, I know they've got some quarterbacking issues, but, like, Brock Purdy has 
done it. Like he's done his job. He's made it happen. Like they've they've won the games they're supposed to. They've scored a lot of points. I just I think they're on a mission. Like I think the 49ers are just that I think this could be a cruise game. I know it's it could be very close. All four of them could be. This was kind of my pick of, well, I actually think the other three games could be close, and this one actually could go south for Dallas really fast. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think unfortunately, like they it could go either way. And I, I would say it's like 50-50 at this point. <laughs> Because they have the ability to have a great high-scoring offense, but they also have yeah. the ability to go out and put up six points. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good, six points. Yeah, yeah. Either like forty-four or six. Like it's yeah. it's gonna run that gambit. <laughs> Speaking of which, can we can we talk about their kicker sure. last week? Yeah. What was going on there? All I can say this is they they put they've decided to put full confidence behind them, and I wouldn't be that. Com- I'm a very confident person. But I would be like, hmm, <laughs> like, that's not good. <laughs> right? Like, what happened? How are you? N- okay, you missed an extra point. Fine. Okay, you missed a second one. Uh, that's not great. Three and four? Are you kidding me? Like, what at that is point, going on? at that point, you should go home. <laughs> yeah, stop <laughs> like, going yeah. for, stop kicking them. Go for two. Have you ever had one of those days? Where you're just like, everything is going wrong. I might as well just have gone, like, stayed in bed or go back to sleep. Like, the day's done. Like, I'm finished. I've had those days. So, I think that, like, he was just, nothing worked for him. Nothing worked. Yeah, I I just don't understand it. They they absolutely should have said, you know what, you you sit out the game. It's fine. We'll come back at it next week. And hopefully he gets a fix this week because they're going to need those points. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, we'll move on to the main uh, theme of this episode, which is taking a look at the uh, fantasy tight end position over the course of this season. So we're going to look at uh, the fantasy finish, their average, the player's average draft position, and what their average weekly points were. Okay. So we'll start at the top, and we'll work our way down uh, and just see how far we can get in the time remaining. Yeah, so, obviously, first, not even close, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had another amazing year. If you had him on your team, you were you were sitting pretty. Um, he finished with 261.3 fantasy points. That's in half point PPR scoring. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, good. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Like That, that was good that enough. Good. Yeah. That was good enough for to be the wide receiver five. So the fifth best wide receiver would have been Travis Kelsey he, as a tight end. Um, I mean, he's got to be in consideration, and it's something that you did an article about this year that we'll probably cover on this podcast going into this next season. But he's got to be um, in line for for like that contender where you're like, this person should start every week. Like he's got to, maybe he's not a hundred percent, but he's got to be close. This guy's on another level. Oh, I would start him every week that he was playing. Hmm. I wouldn't even think about it. I wouldn't even blink unless he walked on the field with crutches, then maybe. But if he is healthy and he is in the game, I wouldn't even think about it until I was given a reason not to. Yeah. yeah. Cause he averaged 15.4 points a game. 
if you have that at your tight end position, even if you just have an average to okay lineup everywhere else, that positional advantage tips the scale so heavily in your favor. All you need is all your other players to do all right, and you probably won your week. Like, unless something crazy happened, you know, and you went up against Joe Mixon and he had that 50-point game, then maybe. But just the pure advantage of having someone in your lineup who's getting you 15 points every week in what is one of the worst scoring or consistent scoring positions in fantasy football. Yeah. Game-changing. Yeah. Absolutely game changing. And and to further illustrate that with number two, TJ Hawkinson, um, he had 172 fantasy points, almost 110 point difference or sorry, almost a hundred point different between the two of them. Like what, what a difference that makes for yeah. your lineup. Yeah. Um, but before we go into to Hawkinson further, uh, Travis Kelsey had an average draft position uh, in the second round. He was usually the first person off the board in the second round. So if you're in a 12-person league, he would have been the 13th pick. Um, as typically in leagues, they do a snake draft. So whoever picked 12th would have picked uh, with the 13th pick as well as it worked its way back. So that's where yeah. Travis Kelsey on average was going. And sure. he 100% earned you your value on your pick there. Oh, Far and away. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's as close to a no brainer, in my opinion, uh, as you get, especially when it comes to um, when it comes to picking like tight ends. We know how tough of a year it was this year. He's he's an easy choice. Absolutely. You know who wasn't an easy choice? TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, <laughs> because until that trade happened, things it was not it was an OK season for him. You know, like he had that massive game against New England. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he wasn't really doing very much with the Lions this year. Hmm. Take him over to Minnesota, and he exploded. So he yeah. finished with 172.4 fantasy points and averaged 10, 10.1 points a game. So even just that between him and Kelsey in first and second, that's a difference of five points a game. That is the difference between winning and losing, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that extra guaranteed five points a week, game changing. Yeah. Now, TJ Hogginson, if you drafted him, his value paid off beyond what you could have hoped for. He had an average draft position in the sixth round. So that means you got five picks before that where you were get loading up on your wide receivers, loading up on your running backs. Maybe you even took your quarterback in the fifth round and then you picked Hawkinson. So you had some elite options ahead of him and then still had this guy who, yes, he, he didn't do very much for you over the first half of the year, but the second half of the year, he probably got you into the playoffs or he might have been the one who got you to the Super Bowl, depending. Yeah. Uh, I know he, he was a big part in you making it to the Super Bowl. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he uh, he he was a great late season acquisition. Um, it's a shame that he was so inconsistent before the final couple weeks. Like he had a great playoff for fantasy for me, but the the time leading up to it, it was uh, it was rough. It was it was one week good, one week off, one week good, one week off. Like it was inconsistent. Yep, and that unfortunately is the nature of the beast with the tight end market. Well, it's funny that we're talking about number two on our list, and uh, we're already talking about inconsistencies. <laughs> like there yep. was just like yep. one constant solid tight end who you can trust, and then everybody else. 
yeah, it uh, that's just the nature of the beast with uh, mm-hmm. tight ends. It, it's so hard to get that guy, and that's why they're so valuable. That's why Travis Kelsey is worth a second round picks because you know that's what you're getting, and you're you're hard pressed to find that anywhere else. Definitely. Um, number three was George Kittle. So he finished with 170.5 fantasy points. And interesting. So speaking of consistency, uh, in his first 10 games that he played, George Kittle broke double digits four times. In the last four games of the fantasy football season that he played, he broke double digits every single game. So again, kind of like Hawkinson, he turned it on in the fantasy playoffs. But if you had him throughout the whole season leading up to it, he some some weeks he was all right. Other weeks, it was like, well, geez, I should have started literally anyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he had an average draft position in the fourth round, so not really terrible. Still high enough that, you know, you had hoped that you would get more from him. Most people were probably drafting him thinking, okay, great. I've got my tight end. I'm good to go. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what we've had in the past. Well, yeah. And George, like he's been, he like if we were to name five tight ends he like each year that was consistent the last couple years he would have been in the top five every time absolutely absolutely um at number four we had mark andrews so he finished with only 154 fantasy points and for him it was kind of the inverse of hawkinson and kittle because he had an amazing start to the year he had a better start to the season than travis kelsey actually Mm -hmm. over i think the first five or six weeks and then between Lamar being injured, himself dealing with some injuries, he never got a pack. Never, and coming back and playing with the backup QBs, it just it never came back. And he ended up hurting you. Like, he did okay in the championship week, but in the uh, week 15 and week 16, he, he did not do very good. You, you could have picked someone up off the waiver wire and started them, and they would have done just as well, if not better. Hmm. Um, and he cost you a... a a second round draft pick. He was his average draft position was two point two point uh, ten. Yeah. So he was going in the top two rounds. So you were, I'm sure. I think I I drafted Mark Andrews. I was happy with him for the first six weeks, and then after that, it was like nothing. <laughs> I'm starting him because I know what he can do, but I'm not seeing it now. You know, you're not starting him because of the performances. You're starting him because of the name, like who that, he is. The, yeah, the, just the like, name and that promise. Yeah. Yeah, and then you oh, what was even more frustrating was you could see like okay, he's still getting targeted just as much. He's just not catching them because yeah. they're they're Huntley targets instead of Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson targets. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, at number five, we had your buddy Taysom Hill. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Taysom Hill ended up with one hundred forty-one point three fantasy points. Um, he uh, he had a average draft position in the twentieth uh, round, so odds are people didn't draft him, and that someone just picked him up on the waiver wire when he started to become involved again in the uh, in the Saints' offense. Um, Taysom Hill is just an interesting fantasy. Per- he yeah, I think he sums up the uh, inconsistency in the tight end position pretty well because some weeks yeah. he gets you one point, and some weeks he would get you like twenty five. They don't so. use him. I, I we, we talked about this. I could rant about it forever. At the end of the day, they did not use him effectively. No, no, they did not. You know who they did use effectively with the Jaguars was Evan Ingram. 
Mm-hmm. They figured out what they had there and they leaned on it. He finished with at the number six position for tight end with 140.4 fantasy points. His uh, average draft position was pretty low. So if you picked him up and you just had him on your bench, what a value you got. He was drafted on, on average in the 16th round. Yeah. So a lot of leagues don't even draft that deep. That guy might have been your last pick, second last pick. He might have been on your waiver wire because nobody drafted him because it's just so deep. Um, but if you picked him up before he went off, oh man, what a game changer he would have been for your fantasy football season. Yeah, I could I could see a lot of people picking him up off the waiver wire this year as opposed to drafting him, but yeah, maybe quite low. Like if he was drafted, maybe lower. Yeah, maybe just as like you, you picked someone else as your tight end, he was just your backup in the event of an injury, so you at least had somebody. Yeah. Um, at number seven, <clears throat> Cole Komet with 122.3 fantasy points. He turned it around too. I mean, he, he had some up and down points to the year, but he, you know, he got going a bit there. He did. Yep. He uh, started out very slow and I was very worried because I actually, in my pre-draft rankings that are available on the uh, Conquer Draft website, I had him ranked as the number eight tight end for the year. And he was not looking like the number eight tight end on the year heading into even the halfway point of the season, really. Um, but then yet the Bears offense, they've they figured out what they wanted to do with Justin Fields. Justin Fields figured out Cole Komet was someone he could rely on, and he absolutely turned it around. Yeah. Uh, at number eight, Pat Fryermuth, 116.7 points. He had a pretty disappointing season, especially after last year. Um but he was drafted on average in the 10th round. Uh, sorry, Cole Komet was also drafted on average in the 11th round. So good value there. Uh, same with Pat for Armyth. If you waited till the 10th round to pick your tight end, you didn't get any amazing games out of him, really. But you didn't get you just got a handful of points every week. And at the 10th round, you can't really expect much else than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler Higby finished at number 19 with 116 fantasy points on the dot. Uh, Tyler Higby was drafted on average in the 14th round after Matthew Stafford went down Cooper Cup. The whole Rams offense basically just imploded, so he probably could have finished higher if that all hadn't have happened. Um, but again, you drafted him late. That's what you're going to get with a late round tight end. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, at number 10, Dalton Schultz. So he uh, he missed a couple of games with injury. Uh, he missed a couple of games where he didn't have Dak Prescott. Uh, but he finished with 114.2 fantasy points. Dalton Schultz, you probably drafted a bit higher. His average draft position was in the sixth round, which is typically where your tight ends tend to go is between rounds four and eight. Uh, that's the general consensus on when people want to take them. So you were kind of in the league average there and you still got a top 10 fantasy tight end yeah um, and he kind of turned it on with uh Dak Prescott towards the end of the season too like well look at this past weekend obviously it didn't help you for fantasy uh, fantasy season is over but he was heavily involved with Dak Prescott in playoff football so that's a good thing to look forward to for next year assuming they're both staying with the team and there's no changes there and they can both stay healthy because they both seem to struggle with that yes. I think health is the main question. I think they'll be back, but how healthy will they be? That's a good question. Exactly. Uh, 
Uh, at number 11, another New Orleans tight end with Juwan Johnson, who became the basically he scored you a touchdown or he got you zero points. Yeah, uh, kind of guy for fan for tight end. So he finished he had about with 104 weeks in a row where he he was like money. <laughs> you you could yep. get 10 to 12 points out of him or something like every week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he finished the that. year with seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good for for a tight end. But yeah, it was just the the other weeks where he didn't score a single touchdown and had one catch for f- three yards. That's what hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he finished with 113.8 points. He had an average draft position in the 23rd round, so you weren't drafting him. You picked him up off the waiver wire once he started to emerge a little bit. So if you picked him up, all well and good. If uh, if you didn't and somebody else got him, some weeks it hurt you. Other weeks you were very thankful that you missed him. Yeah. At number 12, Dallas Goddard. He finished with 113.7 fantasy points. And he had an average draft position in the uh, seventh round. So you probably were hoping for a bit more out of him. It took him a little while to get clicking with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he was competing with uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown for targets. And I believe he missed a bit of time as well, did he not? Yeah, he only played 12 games this season. So yeah, considering he still finishes the tight end 12, even with only 12 games played, that that is pretty good. It's just, it's hard to... You know, that's five games on the season that you didn't have him. And that could have been the difference between you making the playoffs and not. Yeah, it could have been. Definitely. Uh, Real quick, we'll just get through. We'll try to get the top 15 done. So uh, Dawson Knox at number 13, he had 111.7 fantasy points. He had an average draft position in the eighth round. Uh, Gerald Everett came in at number 14 with 110.5 fantasy points. Gerald Everett was... uh, in the 14th round. So that's pretty good value. If you took him and you started him, I mean, same, he, same he position. Was, he was my pick, but I traded him. Uh, but he was my tight end pick out of the draft at least. Yep. So a late round tight end, he finished in the top 15. I mean, at round 14, I mean, that's great return on the value, but odds are you probably didn't start him every week. And like every other tight end, almost, uh, some weeks he hurt you, other weeks you were happy that you had him in there, and it's just a guessing game, unfortunately. And at number 15, with 100.8 fantasy points, was David Njoku, and he had an average draft position in the 13th round. Um, so, a bit of a weird season for Cleveland. You probably weren't happy to have him in your fantasy lineup all too often. I mean, he he also only played in 13 games. Um but yeah, I I don't know what the outlook on Cleveland is for next year. It's it's going to be hard to predict. Yeah. But uh, we are running out of time. So uh, if you guys have any any questions for us throughout the uh, fan the rest of the uh, football season with the playoffs, Super Bowl, and into the off season, you can reach us at uh, at uh, our email address at contact.conqueryourdraft.com. You can uh, reach us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can go to the Conquer Your Draft website, conqueryourdraft.com, fill out the form on our podcast page. We'd love to hear from you, answer whatever questions that you have, and we'll try to uh, we'll try to fit in our, our picks for this week, Mike, real quick. Yeah, let's, let's end with that. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, San Francisco. There's mine. I've got Kansas City, Philly, San Fran, and Buffalo, so almost identical. 
So we'll go. see. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and take care.